And this week's parsha is parsha's truma. Of course, it's also Rishchidesh Adar. It's a time of great simcha. The Ramban at the beginning of Sefer Shemais tells us the names of the books of the Torah are a little bit different than the ones that are written on the bindings of our Chamishay Chumshay Torah. The way that we refer to Sefer Bereshis is Sefer Bereshis, the book of Genesis. The Ramban says that the true name for Sefer Bereshis is Sefer HaYitzirah. It's the book of creation. And then he says that the Sefer Shemais is not the book of Exodus. That's half true. It's really the Sefer of Hagolos Vagula. It's the book of Golos, of Exodus, but also of redemption. And the Ramban goes and explains why these respective Svarim are called as they're called. Because Sefer Bereshis, which is Sefer Yitzirah, is not just merely the creation of the world, which is the first parak of Sefer Bereshis, because that's only the first parak. Why would we call the entire Sefer Yitzira just because of the creation of Shemaim Varetz? There's so much more that went into Sefer Bereshis than that. And the Ramban says that it's not only the Yitzira of Shemaim Varetz, but it's also the narrative of all of the Aves, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And they also were involved in the Yitzira. They were also involved in creating a world. Because we know the famous Yisait of the Ramban, that Maisa Aves Simulabanim. Whatever the Aves HaKadoshim did was not just for themselves, but it was paving a path for us. It was a simon labanim, it was a template for the ages, it was something that we would all be able to see and to observe and to learn from and to follow. And so the Ramban says that the Sefer Yitzira is called Sefer Yitzira not just merely because of the creation of heaven and earth, but because of all of the Mila of the Aves in it. Because he says that the mikre ha'aves kulam ke'en yitzira lezaram, it was planting seeds for their zera. It was also a creation. When the aves did their activities, they were not just personal activities, but they were really seeds for us to reap from. And then the Ramban begins to discuss sefer shemais, which is a sefer hagolus vagaula. And he goes and says that, of course, we know that the beginning of Sefer, Sefer Shemais involves Golos. Klal Yisrael, the Shivim Nefesh, were in Mitzrayim. The Shibud began. And then we began to eventually become redeemed. But the question is, how are we redeemed? So, if it was up to me, I would end Sefer Shemais. If it was all about Golos Vagul, I would end it in Parshish Bashalos. Right after Kriyas Yamsef, we were out. We had escaped successfully. There were no more enemies that were chasing after us. So that would be the end of Sefer Agolot Vagula. Why do we still go, asks the Ramban, deep into the parashias of Truma and Titzaveh and Vayako and Pekude, discussing the, all of the intricacies of the Mishka and the building of the Mishka. What does that have to do with Geula? 
That's not redemption. Redemption is when we got out of Mitzrayim. And the Ramban gives us a remarkable yesaid. He says as follows. When we left Egypt, we were Adayin Yeshivu Goylem. We were still considered to be people in exile. We were liberated as a as slaves. But that wasn't the end of our Gaulus. But rather, we were going in a strange land, we were going all around confused in the desert. That's not Geula yet. But only when we came to Harsinai, the Asua Mishkan, and we built the Mishkan, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu returned and was Masha Shechina in the midst of Klal Yisrael. Oz Shavu El Mailas Havaisam. Then and only then were we really considered to be people that were Nigalim. In the sense that we returned to the Maila of our forefathers. Of Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov. Shayasayd Eleha Aleha Alehem the secret, the essence of godliness dwelled on their tents. The others were the Merkava of the Shechina, which means that just like if you have a car, the car gives a ride to the people that are in it. Kaviyachal used the others as his car, as his chariot, in order to transport him in this world. And that's why he says this book of Sefer Agolos Vagu'ula was only completed when discussing the Inyanim of the Mishkan and the Kavit Hashem dwelling in the Mishkan, saturating the Mishkan with the glory of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, That is the end of the Gu'ula. So what the Ramban is basically saying in a nutshell is as follows. The Sefer Bereshis is the Sefer Hayitzira because it was not only the creation of heaven and earth, it was the creation of everything that our Abbas HaKadoshim did, which was really a model for us to follow. So if, you, if I would be able to have, let's say, behind me a, a graph, a whiteboard with a, a magic marker, I would basically draw the Sefer HaYitzira as being an up line on a graph, starting from Yitzira and going all the way to the end of Sefer Bereshit, where Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov created such greatness in their tents. They were able to spread the Ashras HaShchina through the world. They were able to raise the banner of the Shechina very high. And then we started going down in Sefer Hagolos. We went down into the Memtesh Aritim of Mitzrayim. And then we started going up again. The graph starts rising again with the leaving of Mitzrayim, but it didn't end until it was Mamish on the same height, at the same peak, at that same high, high water mark as we attained through the Abyss, only when the Mishkan was built and we were able to once again reenact the greatness of the Shechina being Shaira in the Mishkan, which is a national tent, similar to the personal tents of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, the Mishkan represented the national tent, 
And when they were able to have the Ashra Sashkina in that national tent and thereby once again meet that same elevated plateau which we experience with Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, only then can we finish the Sefer HaGolos HaGolos in the proper manner. After the Parsha of the Shalach, that would have been an incomplete Gaula. We were still stranded in the Midbar. We were still not only physically still in, in Gaulus, but we were spiritually in Gaulus. And only once we were able to build a Mishkan, after Har Sinai, which the Ramban later is going to describe as a movable, the Mishkan is a movable, a mobile Har Sinai. Har Sinai and then the Mishkan, that was the attainment, the fulfillment of the Kedusha of the Aves, the Kedusha of the tents of the Aves reenacted through the tent of the Mishkan. Now, if this is true, which it is, that the Mishkan really represents the Aves, the tent of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and the Kedusha that they attained is now reattained in our starting in Parshas Truma, so then it would stand to reason, L'chaira, that we would see actual foot, uh, footprints or, or fingerprints of the Aves on the Mishkan. The Mishkan should be really a direct consequence of the Aves. We would be able to see or hear echoes of the Aves in the Mishkan itself. If the Mishkan is really just a model of the tent of the Aves, if it was a reenactment, if it was a, a reconstitution of what the Aves accomplished in their tent, so we would be able, the Torah should tell us that the Aves had a direct hand in the building of the Mishkan. We have to bridge the divide between Sefer Yitzirah and Sefer Agolos Let's see today what the contributions of the Aves were to the actual physical edifice of the Mishkan. It's fascinating. In our parsha, it says that the Kroshim were built of Atzei Shitim, some sort of wood, let's call it cedar wood, and Rashi brings Me'ayin Hayolam midbar. Where did they get this Atzei Shitim in the Midbar? Think about it. We were stranded in the middle of a desert. We didn't have many supplies. There was no Home Depot. There was no, no way to you know, get any deliveries out there. The only thing in a Midbar is cacti. But yet somehow they were able to build a beautiful Mishkan using Atzei Shitim. Atzei Shitim is not a tree that grows in the Midbar. So the question begs, where in the world do they get this Atzei Shitim from? And Rashi says, B'Shem Rebbe Tanchuma, from the Medrash Tanchuma, that Yaakov Avinu, Tzofa Baruch HaKadosh, Yaakov Avinu foresaw with Ruach HaKadosh, Shasidin Yisrael Livnais Mishkan Bamidbar, that Klal Yisrael would ultimately build a Mishkan in the Midbar. Vehevi Arazim L'Mitzrayim Inatam. So Yaakov Avinu, an amazing thing. Instead of packing, you know, if I was Yaakovino packing to go down to Mitzrayim, you pack what you normally pack. You pack food and, and water that you're going to need for the trip, and you pack your clothing, and you pack some svarim. Yaakov Avinu saw Baruch HaKadosh that 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, his descendants would go into a midbar. They would need to build a mishkan. So Yaakov Avinu packed Atzei Shittim from Eretz Yisrael. He brought them down to Mitzrayim. He planted them there. And then when the Jews went out of Mitzrayim, he commanded them, when he died, he commanded them to take these Atzei Shittim with them. And that's how they had Atzei Shittim. It's an amazing thing. Yaakov Avinu brought down Atzei Shittim to Mitzrayim, and because of Yaakov Avinu, Klai Yisrael were Zaycha to have in the edifice of the Mishkan. The actual structure of the Mishkan was built as a direct result of Yaakov Avinu. The efforts of Yaakov Avinu, which remember, Yaakov Avinu wasn't alive then. Yaakov Avinu died about many, many hundreds of years before the Mishkan was built. But yet, the Mishkan was built because of Yaakov Avinu. We see how Yaakov Avinu, the tenth, the Kedusha of Yaakov Avinu in his hand was directly affecting and directly impacting our Mishkan in this week's parsha, Which makes sense because the whole point of the Mishkan, according to Ramban, was to once again bring up the level of Kedusha of Klai Yisrael to the point that the others were able to attain in their tents. Let's see another amazing thing in the parsha. The Targum Yenison in Parachavar Pasuk Chavches says on the Pasuk Vabriach Hatichaim Besech Akaroshim Mavriach Men Akatzel Akatzel. Within the walls, again, we're talking now just about the edifice of the Mishkan, the actual structure, the outside of the Mishkan, the walls that that enclose this holy place. There was a hole that went through all of the Kurashim, all of the beams had a hole running through it. And there was something called a Briach Hatichayim, which means there was some bolstering, fastening element inside of the holes, running through the holes to make sure that the Mishkan stayed together and stayed tight and stayed standing. Where was this Briach Hatichayim that snaked through the walls, through the hole inside of the beams, where was this Briach HaTichayim from? So if you look at the Targum Yainasan on that Pasuk, it says that it came from none other than a tree planted by Avram Avinu in Be'er Sheva. The famous tree of Avram Avinu, the Esho Avram, that Avram Avinu provided for his guests, Achila and Shtia and Levaya, all of these amazing wonders that we know about this tree. This tree was found by Kriyas Yamsuf floating on the water. And a Malach announced, this is the tree that Avram Avinu planted. They took it with them. And then when they needed a Briach HaTichai, when they needed something to go and to fasten the, the Krashi HaMishkan to be as one, they were able to take this tree of Avram Avinu, put it somehow through the walls and slip it through, and that was the fastening agent to be able to keep the Mishkan whole. So we see direct impact of the Aves from their tent into the actual national tent, which was the Mishkan in this week's parsha. Beautiful. 
We have Avram's contribution, direct contribution of Avram Avinu to the Mishkan, and we have a direct contribution of Yaakov Avinu also to the Mishkan. The walls and the fastener in the walls from Avram and, Yitz- and, and, and Yaakov. Now we could end the Shmuz here, but it would probably be a little bit of a letdown if we didn't find something from Yitzchak Avinu. And I searched and this is what I think is the pshat in the contribution of Yitzchak. I heard once a pshat from a Mayor Shapiro on a different topic. There's a Gemara that says that Avira Ta'azara Ka'azara that the airspace in the Mishkan or in the Mikdash has a Kedusha of the Azara. Meaning the oxygen, the molecules that are floating around in the airspace of the Azara are Niskadesh like the Azara itself. That's Kedusha. Not just the, the floor and not just the walls and not just the Kalim, but the actual air itself inside of the Azara has a Kedusha Azara. That's what the Gemara tells us. So Meir Shapira asks a very basic question. How are you Mekadesh, the airspace? Meaning there are ways to physically be Mekadesh, Kalim, there's Meshicha, and there is sometimes when you actually use the Kalim, that's, that, that's, that, that's actually Mechanech, the, the Kali, and you could pronounce it to be Hekdesh. What do you do with airspace? How are you Mekadesh? Where did the Kedusha come to Makadish the air in the Azara. And Ramir Shapiro says that it came from something very special. It came from the intangible Gaguim, the pining of Klai Yisrael to give to the Mishkan. We see in, in these parshias that Klai Yisrael was asked to contribute and they gave so much that the Pasuk says later in Sefer Shemais that not only was there enough, but there was too much. They had to actually return money to people and turn people away. They had to say, no, we're, we're, we're good, we're sold out. Too bad. Now sometimes you want to, you think about going to a concert, let's say, or you're going to a, you know, some sort of convention, and all of a sudden you see it sold out, and it's like very disappointing. But you never see that by an appeal. I don't think there's ever been an appeal, a shul appeal, a yeshiva appeal, by a dinner. I've never been to a yeshiva dinner that they said, you know what, we made so much money by the dinner that we're stopping taking any contributions. It's too much. Stop. Stop. Sold out. No more. That's what happened with the Mishkan. There was so much want. There was so much desire just to give that Klal Yisrael had to be stopped from giving. People were coming with, like, with their wallets, with their jewelry, with, their, you know, with, with stocks, with, with bonds. Just take it. No. No more. We have too much. That was the Gaguim, the want, the desire of Klal Yisrael to build this Mishkan, to contribute of their resources, of their time, of their efforts to the, to the Mishkan. All of that, those feelings those holy feelings of wanting to give, of wanting to contribute, of wanting 
to dedicate. Those feelings, says Rameh Shapiro, is what was Makadesh, the Avir of the Azara. The airspace in the Azara was full of those good feelings, full of all of that hope and aspiration and dream to build and to give a makam to the Shekhinah. That was what created that wonderful area of holiness inside of the Azara. The Gaguim were what was injected into the actual oxygen in the Mikdash. Those feelings of wanting to give more and more and more, even to the point that it was unnecessary to give anymore. But we want to still give more. That's something special. That's Mekadesh, the Abir of the Azara, like the Azara itself. And based on that, I wanted to just say a simple chat, and you can argue with me if you want, but we said that the, the actual structure, the crushing, the walls of the Mishkan were the contribution directly of the others. The others who had their tent, and within their tent they had such holiness, they were the real master builders of the Mishkan. They contributed the Atzei Shittim, and they contributed the Briach Atichayim, Avram and Yaakov, Yitzchak's contribution was the whole that was running through the inside of the Karashim, that empty space that was filled by the Briach Atichayim, that was the contribution of Yitzchak Avinu. Yitzchak Avinu had such gaguim, he had such want to give, to be Meiser Leiv and Nefesh the Rabbein that's all he wanted to do with his life. Yitzchak Avinu was put on the Akedah. He wasn't going kicking and screaming. He dafka wanted to be on the Akedah. He went to Simcha. Rashi brings the Chazal. They went together. Avram Avinu was happy to bring his son. And Yitzchak was happy even when he found out that he would be the carbon. He was still overjoyed by that schus to give to give mamish b'leib b'nefesh b'guf, that was what Yitzchak was. That ruach hanedivos, that spirit of giving of oneself, that was contained also in the edifice of the Mishkan, in the whole inside of the Krashim. That was like the heart of the Mishkan. That was the, the gaping hole that was filled with only the goodness of the contribution of Kuala Yisrael as inspired by Yitzchak Avinu's endless gaguim to give of himself to call Yisrael. That self-sacrifice was what completed the Chut HaMesholosh of Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov's contribution to the Mishkan directly. Their Kedusha Sa'el was built and then it was inspired and it was reflected in the building of our Mishkan that we're going to lay in the Shabbos. It occurs to me that every Mikdash Ma'at in the world, we know that shuls and yeshivas are together in Mikdash Ma'at. They also always have to have these contributions of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Because they also are our Geula. They are our aspirations to once again attain the mile of our, our, of our Abbas. Every shul and every yeshiva has so much 
from the Abbas, the Krashim of the of every shul and every Besa Knesses, Besa Medrash is from Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu, who brought the Krashim down with him from Canaan to Mitzrayim and then to the Midbar, that represents the Messiah. When we speak about a Messiah of Kal Yisrael, when we speak about being Mechanech, our children, in the proper way, you'll always hear the expression, B'derech Yisrael Sabo. The way of Yaakov Avinu, the old, our grandfather Yaakov Avinu, he is the Bala Messiah. Whenever you start an institution, whenever you're maintaining an institution, the Krushim, the actual walls, have to be Yaakov Avinu's. It has to be with a Messiah from Yaakov Avinu directly. There are many types of yeshivas out there. There are many types of shuls that they may be well-intentioned, but they lack a Messiah. They lack a real tradition, a real a continuity. It's a newfangled type of yeshiva that, they, you know, that people created in order to fulfill certain needs, but it doesn't have the Messiah. It doesn't have the Krashim of Yaakov Avinu. And so therefore it's not, a, it's not considered a real Mikdash Ma'at. For something to be a Mikdash Ma'at, it has to be Alpi Derech Yisrael Sabah. It has to be from Yaakov Avinu's Messiah. It has to be built by him, transported by Yaakov Avinu himself, as if he himself had this in mind. Avram Avinu also contributes to every shul, every yeshiva, Avram Avinu represents chesed. Chesed Avram. You have to have chesed in a mikdash ma'at. There's so much that goes in to making a yeshiva yeshiva. It's the it's the chesed that we do for one another. It's the chesed that a rebbe does for a talmud, and a talmud does for a rebbe. It's a chesed that a friend does for another friend, a chavrusa for a chavrusa. In shuls, you know, there's so many different gemachs that are founded in shuls and in communities. Chesed is a major part of our mikdash ma'at. But I think perhaps the greatest chelep of every mikdash ma'at and the most important one for us to really focus on is the Yitzchak Avinu contribution to the Messiah of building a Mikdash Ma'at. And that is the Ruach HaNadivus. It's the giving. It's the wanting to give to the Yeshiva and to the Shul. So many times we go and we're the beneficiaries of so much. So much. We come to a Shul. Who built these shuls, who built these yeshivas, those people that wanted to contribute, that really wanted to give of themselves. And who maintains these shuls? Who maintains these yeshivas? It's people that contribute their time and their energy. Most people, they just come to shul, they pay their membership bills, their dues, and then they come and they daven, and everything is ready for them. You know, all they have to do is like bring a machzer, a shani and kippur, the whole shul is made up, everything is beautiful, shvuas, the flowers are up, and, you know, Pesach, Noah's Chitim campaign is in full swing. You just have to contribute, you know, money, which is also major. But there are people behind the scenes in every single Mikdash Ma'at that 
contribute with their time, with their energy, with their love, with their heart, that never want to stop giving. There are gabayim in every shul. Gabayim, you know, are wonderful people. They take nairadek of You ever, you know, if you were ever a gabay yourself, or, or if you ever interview a gabay, speak to any gabay in like a big shul, let's say, or even a small shul. They go through terrible busyness. Terrible busyness. Every Shabbos, somebody's mad at them. You know, you didn't know that I had yard site this Shabbos. You didn't know that it was my, uh, my wife's grandmother's birthday this Shabbos. I didn't get an aliyah. You didn't ask me to daven. You asked him to daven. You always ask that guy to daven. Every Shabbos, the same guy daven for daven. Never he came to me once. I've been a member of the shul 25 years. I've been asked to daven maybe three times. This guy, every other Shabbos, he's davening. You know, you give him after Yaina, and you give him Ravi, you give him Shishi, you give, you give This is what people have to put, but yet there are Gabayim. Despite all of that, there are people that are willing every single Shabbos to get up there and be a Gabayim. And it doesn't just involve being up there, it means they have to organize which Aliyas and which Kibudim and call people and ask people and beg people. There are treasurers in every shul. There are secretaries in every shul. And of course, there are abonim in every shul. There are people that mamish give believable benefesh. They give and they give and they give. They don't necessarily get paid for it. They just give because they want to have this ruach anadivos. You need that. Every single shul needs that. You need that. You need people that are dedicated. And every shul Baruch Hashem has them. If they wouldn't have them, the shul would completely close down. Shul doesn't just run on money. Shul runs on people that are actually doing things. And it's very important when you leave yeshiva, and let's say you join a community, and you're a member of a shul, not just to be, you know, taking a back seat in shul, and, you know, waltzing in and leaving, and not having any, you know, real dedication to the shul. You should put your heart and your soul into it, and build it, and make it bigger and better, that's the Yitzchak Avinu element in every shul. But I want to speak more immediately to our yeshiva because it's also mikdash ma'at and it also involves this willingness, this love of dedication to dedicate oneself to the, better of the, to the betterment of the yeshiva. There are two people that could come to the yeshiva at the same time. And one of them goes through the yeshiva and is sort of like a casual bystander. It's like a spectator. You know, you come in, everything is happening, and you're sort of just on the sidelines, on the periphery, looking in. The other fellow that came to the yeshiva rolls up his sleeves and really wants to give to the yeshiva. And you see it every, every year, you see, that it's sort of yeshiva breaks up into people that are the givers and the takers. I don't mean that it's a bad thing to be a taker. It's fine. But it takes an elevated person to really say to himself, I don't want to just, you know, be here. I want to, I want to help make it better. I want to improve the yeshiva. I want to do something different. I want to add to it. I want to give to it. I want to be a gabba. I want to be a baltekeya. I want to start something new. I want to start a new chabura. I want to start a new gemach in yeshiva. Many, many gemachs in yeshiva. 
you know, that have been started over the years. When I first came to Yeshiva many years ago, I started a, a gemach, a lending gemach. I put in, you know, a, a, a very decent amount of money. It started, you know, it started out well, and then, I don't know, somebody took the money, and I think we never got it back. I was well-intentioned, but it wasn't run. I didn't run it myself. I gave it over to somebody to run. It didn't go well. But then, I think somebody else started up another one. I'm not sure if there is a, a money gemach in Yeshiva, but there should be. And if somebody wants to, uh, you know, to do it, it's a tremendous chos to be able, if you read the Chavetz Chaim, what he writes in Aves Chesed and the Sefer about starting gemach, like the dividends that accrue to a person that starts a gemach, you put, let's say, a few hundred thousand to a gemach, and you're constantly lending money to people that need it for whatever needs that they have, if it's to get home, you know, or if it's to, you know, to go out on a date, or if it's to, uh, I don't know, fix your car or something, whatever, people need money in yeshiva. And I remember when I was in high school, the, the English principal in high school, I don't know where he is today, but if, he, if, he, if you're still around, Mr. Schneier, please you know, get in touch with me. Um, he's a wonderful person. He started a gemach, it was Eich Nishmas' father, and it was really run properly. Like, you know, there was a checkbook, the checking account for the gemach, and, you know, and it was run, you know, really kedasukadin. I remember, like, before certain times of the year, like, people, mamish, like, came to the gabe that was running this gemach, and, and they were giving out a lot of money. It was like, I remember the biggest time of year that the gemach was, was doing a lot of business was right before the Sims bash. I don't know if anyone knows what that is. Sims was a, a, a very big clothing store. Uh, the Sai Sim School of Business, that was founded by the owner of these stores. They, they just recently, a few years ago, they all went bankrupt. But the, it was, Beshaita, it was like the most amazing store. Because, you know, if you wanted to get like a nice suit, nice yeshivish suit, so you go to Sims during two times a year, there was, it was called the Sims Bash. And, and they basically had like rock bottom price. You can get like the, the fanciest suits. You know, and if it was like 50% wool or more, then during the summer it was, you know, it was, it was really slashed. And like, it was like a game. Like, you know, you saw it started off at like $300. By the end, you could leave it with, you know, with a, with a beautiful suit sometimes for $80. And so everybody ran to, to Sims and they, you know, they took out a lot of money from the gamas. But that was what the money was there for. And then they eventually, you know, the boys borrowed it. They went, bought clothing, and then they paid it back eventually. People have to think about these things. People, it's not just for me. I might have money, but I want to make sure that people in yeshiva for the next 50 years will be able to have the ability to go when they need and do shopping and do and, and go on dates and whatever with money. With money. Where are they going to get it from? They're going to go to a bank to borrow money if they need a $50 for the night? There's a shtick gemach. I'll give a shout out to Rabbi Bram Panish. You know, before a chasna, you go and you want to have shtick to be misamech, a chasna and kala. We just had the sugya and the dafyaymi of Ketzim Rakhim with Neakala. He has beautiful costumes there with, you know, Spider Man, and I think he always takes a Spider Man for himself, but there are other costumes that, you know, you could, uh, you could borrow. And uh, it's a very big schutz. Somebody, he actually sat, I think it was him, and, you know, and others maybe together with him. and sat and thought about what would, it be, what would be nice in yeshiva to have for other bachram. So when, a, when there's a chas in yeshiva, you should be extra happy. So we're going to think outside the box, 
Kilo, I was the chasm. What would I want somebody else to do for me? There's a ruach hanedivas that we could have if we only stop and think outside the box a little bit about what the needs of others are, the contributions that we make. And it's not always with money. I, somebody asked me yesterday, you know, what's the shmuz about? I said, it's about giving. He said, well, I don't have any money. I said, that's exactly what the shmuz is about. It's not about money. It's about giving your time. It's about giving your heart. You could do things that don't cost anything. Being a gabe does not cost a dime. It doesn't have to be the gabe here. It could be a gabe of tzedakah. It could be the person that's going around taking the pushka around the yeshiva by mincha. It could be a, a gabe for, uh, for svarim. Somebody being in charge of cleaning up the svarim at night or, or binding the svarim or being in charge of you know, thinking about which new svarim to buy or English svarim to contribute to yeshiva. Everything that we have here is because it was the brainchild of somebody that actually had the Ruach of Yitzhak Avino and said, I want to give. There's a hole and I want to fill it. With my Gaguim, I'm going to be Makadish, the Avir of the Azara, the intangible in the Yeshiva. Whatever you see, you look around, everything is because somebody thought to give. Every, I always say this, but like, Every time we need a coffee, there's somehow magically water in the urn. Water in the urn. Now, you know, it, it probably comes down from Shamayim. It probably like, you know, there's probably like a, a magical, it's a magical urn. Like every, you know, every so often when, it's, when, the, when, the low, when, the, when the water level is low, it automatically like refills. And I thought that, you know, or I didn't think about it. And then like one time I was here very late at night and there was some tzaddik that was at like, I don't remember, it was like in the wee hours, I don't even know what I was doing here, but he was like filling it up, filling up the water so that people, Bachram the whole day, should be able to have water for their, hot water for their coffee when they wake up in the morning, throughout the day, late at night. Why did he decide to do it and nobody else in Yeshiva think to do that? Because he had the Ruach and the Divas. He had the Messiah of Yitzchak, the Akedas Yitzchak, it's a little bit of a sacrifice. I'd rather sit in the base medish and learn. I'd rather go play ball. I'd rather do my work. But somebody says, no, I'm thinking about Yenim. I'm thinking about somebody else. I want to be an Isaac B'Tzarech Etzibor Be'amuna. You could all do that. Every single person in the room could do it and it doesn't cost a dime. It's just a matter of thinking or coming over to some member of Van Hull or coming over to to Ariel or somebody that, you know, that, and say, I have this idea, or I want to be this in yeshiva, I'd like to do that. And yes, there's a student government, and they take care of a lot of things, but that's not everything, and you could, you could help the student government. I'm sure the student government always needs volunteers for, you know, setting up a, a tish, and, and, and setting up for, a, for an in Shabbos, or a Malava Malka, or something like that. There's always a, you know, need for extra hands an extra fee, and if you have a car, or whatever it is, there's so much to do. It's not, the yeshiva is not like, you know, we have the, our, our pilot bureau, you know, our professionals, and everyone else, is not, everybody's invited. Everybody has to be invited. Everybody has to come and contribute something to the yeshiva. That's your truma. Your truma is not necessarily the money that you give. And if you have money, obviously that's a very good thing to give also, in different ways. There's, Always a need for money. But your time and your effort and your love and your devotion to yeshiva. I once had a Rebbe in 12th grade who used to say, how much money would you pay 
to have every gadol and tzaddik in the world daven for you every Shabbos. Now sometimes you go to these mekubalim in Israel and people are giving them you know, hundreds of shkalim or hundreds of dollars cash you know, for a bracha. Let's say you could get every single gadol in the world. You can get Reb Chaim Kanievsky and Reb Steinemann and and Rav Shmuel Ayerbach and, and, you know, and, and all the Rosh Hashivas in the world to daven for you, and every Mekubal in the world, every Tzadik in the world, every Rebbe in the world, every Tamar Chacham in the world, every Kailal guy in the world, to daven for you every single Shabbos. You know, if people would have millions of dollars, they'd probably give half of it to them for that Tzchus. And the Rebbe used to say, you know what, all you have to do to have that is be an Isaac B'Tzarchi Tzibar B'Amunah. If you are Isaac B'Tzarach Yitzibar when every single Shabbos, every person in the world davens, listen to this bracha. This is quite a rabbish bracha. First of all, HaKadosh Baruch repays you. You shouldn't think, well, I can't give up all this time. I need the time. I need the money. I can't, you know. No, HaKadosh Baruch will repay you. You're not going to lose out. There are people that are very wealthy businessmen and they're in Hatzalam. They could leave like a, 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 an important meeting, you know, just in order, or, 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 you know, they're running a big store, and they run out of the store, they lock up the store in order to save somebody's life, and they come back a few hours later. What happened to all that extra lost profit that they, that they incurred? You don't lose out. will make it up to you. Imagine every tzaddik davening for you that you shouldn't be sick. No machala should befall us. The year and if we're sick, we'll be healed. Bracha v'atzlocha b'chol ma'isidem. There's no better bracha than b'chol mishayis k'mitzarchi tzibah that we say by Yekum Purkum. All you have to do is be an Isaac k'mitzarchi tzibah and when you get such bracha, you're promised such amazing schusim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu repays you for everything. Don't think you'll lose. You're not going to, well, I don't have time. I have to study. I have the midterms and final. HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes care of you. just want to end with a story that happened. I saw this with my own eyes. Sometimes you hear stories and, you know, from this person, that person, you don't know. It, it like, went through so many, you know, it's cliché-ny, cliché It's, like, so, you know, you don't even know anymore, you know, if it's even remotely true. But this story I know is true because I saw it with my own eyes. I had a friend in high school, having a lot of high school flashbacks today, um, a friend in high school who I just recently saw, there was a, a big dinner for the Long Beach Yeshiva, 50th dinner, Yaival dinner, they made a very special event. And I, I met this friend, a very close friend of mine from high school, and today he's a rabbi in Lakewood. And he was a very big Isaac B'Tzarche Tzibar He really, he was like a person who really embodied what I'm talking about today, this Ruach HaNadibos. He really cared about the yeshiva, not just about himself. And every Friday, he would go to the supermarket, you know, the big food supermarket in town, it was called Wallbounds. Um, a huge supermarket. And Every Friday, for, for the, all the years of high school, he would go and he would buy two things. For, not for himself, for the yeshiva. He would buy a Reisman's brownie, you know, the, the brownie cake, 
from rising up, the cookies up in the machine, like a, a cake. And you would buy. It was I don't I know I, I always mean to like do research into what it's called, but it, it's like sort of like it's a jar and it's sort of like pickles, but it's not pickles. It's a lot of like chazarai inside of it, you know, like things floating around, like. I don't know what, whatever that's called, like you know, sauerkraut and, and a little and olives and tomato shayurakis, I call it. And um, every Shabbos, every Friday, he would bring this to yeshiva, and he'd have this. He'd put this out for them. He'd have a locker. Everybody knew his combination. And they would, when if you're learning in the base matters at ten o'clock at night, or twelve o'clock at night, and Friday night or Shabbos afternoon, you get a little hungry. You know, as long as there was left, you go and you, you cut yourself a little piece of brownie, or you you take some of this, uh, you know, the, the sadama, and and you have a little snack, and it gives you a little chizuk. Every single week, every single Friday, he would go to Waldbaum's and buy this. It was like the last week of our twelfth grade. And by the way, he wasn't a very wealthy person. He came from a very simple home. It wasn't like he was loaded and it just was like a, a, you know, like a hobby of his. It was, it was money. It was real money for him. And the last week, I think, of ninth grade, of uh, 12th grade, he went to Waldem's and he, he got his Reisman's brownies in the, in the shopping cart. And then he put his hand into the pickle area, to the jars, and one of the jars was broken. And the glass was exposed, and he cut his hand, and he started bleeding. It wasn't a you know a terribly serious cut. I mean, you know, for him it was, not for me. But uh, you know, it was. It must have hurt a lot. But it wasn't you know it wasn't like uh, you know I don't think he needed stitches or anything. And but the manager of Wallbaums, you know, came, saw what happened, and they got into you know crisis mode because this is a potential big lawsuit. And they, you know, they immediately, they brought him, you know, something to clean off the, the wound and, you know, bandage him or whatever. And they brought him into the office. And they said, we'd like you to sign a waiver. You know, basically that you're, that you're, 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 you're pattering us from any, 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 any Nazikin. So, and, he, and they said, we're going to pay you. But you have to sign, you know, that, that you're waiving any, any right to sue us. Right? You know, he's a very nice person. He wasn't going to sue anyway. But they cut him a check. And I saw the check. It, you'd think, okay, you know, $500, $1,000, $2,000, something, some nice even number. But it wasn't. It was like a mudna number. It was like a really, it was, I think it was like, I don't know, don't, don't sue me if I'm wrong. But like, it was something like, $1,285.36. Like a crazy, like a funny number. Like a number that made no sense. So, you know, I was starting to work on the gematria of it. But other people that were smarter than me, you know, started making a cheshpin of exactly how much a Reisman cake and a, and a bottle of this pickle stuff costs on a weekly basis times the exact amount of weeks that from ninth grade to 12th grade he did this. And it came out exactly, Kachot HaSaira came out meduktuk to that exact number. Now you think it's a, you know, it's true, I saw it. We made the cheshvan and it worked. 
knows exactly what we're doing. Don't think for a second that, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this work behind the scenes and nobody's going to appreciate it. Nobody, you know, nobody knows what I'm doing. Nobody knows the busyness that I suffer. Nobody knows how much, you know, my family is lacking because I have to run out in the middle of night to do a Hatzalah call or to go to a shul meeting or to go to a yeshiva, um, you know, parlor meeting or open house or something. Nobody knows. What am I doing this for? Who's going to repay me for this? What's going to be with all my lost time, with all, the, with all the lost attention, with all the lost warmth that I'm giving up, that I'm sacrificing? The Ruach HaNadivas is great, but who knows about this? HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yishalim Scharam. HaKadosh will repay you. The repayments are amazing. If a person knows what schusim they have whenever they have a Ruach HaNadivas, the dividends are amazing. There are so many stories that we don't have time for. But people that give, it, it's a boomerang effect. The more you give, the more you receive. Because your children, if nothing other than your children see how dedicated and devoted you are, that itself is the greatest gift to give a child. To see that my parents are really community members. They love the community. They devote themselves to the community. And yeah, I have to sometimes you know, lose out on that attention that I wish I had. And of course, obviously, you know, a parent has to realize you can't, that your family does come first. You can't completely abandon your family for the community. You have to find the right balance. But there's so much that comes to a person that's a Yitzchak Avinu in our day and age. To give that hole in the Mishkan, to fill it, to be able to understand the Avir of the Azaras Azara. That the gaguim, that need is so holy. That feeling, the pining, the desire to be for to, to be here for the yeshiva, to do more for my friends, do more for for Klal Yisrael, to do something great, to have a dream. Do we dream about doing better for Klal Yisrael? I once saw in one of my favorite English biographies about Rabbi Shlaima Freifeld, amazing biography. It's, it's mamish required reading. The book is called Rabbi Shlaima. And in it, he had a rabbi. Rabbi Freifeld had, had two major rabbis. He had um, a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Tulushkin, and he had another rabbi, Ravotner. Rabbi Tulushkin was once asked by the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was asked, he was like, he went to visit the Rebbe or something, and the Rebbe asked him, Rabbi Tulushkin, if you had a million dollars, and this is when a million dollars was, you know, was a million dollars. Today, a million dollars, you know, you can't really buy, you know, you can barely buy like a, a house for a million dollars today. But when a million dollars was like, let's say, you know, ten million dollars today. If you had a million dollars, what would you do for Kal Yisrael? And he was like, you know, stammering, hemming, hawing, like he didn't have like a quick answer. And, you know, anyway, that was the end of the conversation. He said that Rabbi Tulushkin was, like, so upset with himself. How could I not have that on my mind? How couldn't I have a dream that I knew right away, what would I do with a million dollars for call you so? We have to have that type of, of, of cheshek for call you so. What would I do if I had, not necessarily a million dollars, but if I, if I really could do something great here, what would it be? And if I wake you up in the middle of the night and ask you, what do you want to do for yeshiva? This is what I want to do for yeshiva. 
This is what I think yeshiva needs. Instinctively, you should be having such machshavas of greater and that's a word, making the yeshiva greater. Making the yeshiva a greater place. Making Klai Yisrael a greater place. If it's setting up some sort of tutoring, if it's, you see on the bulletin board, people are thinking, a gemach, a ride gemach, a lift gemach, you know, all types of things that are, you know, helpful. Camp Zev. There are so many things. People like, have this Einfall, like, let's make a, a summer program here. Let's make a Ben Asmanim program here. Simchas Tyre was not always a given. Rashani Yom Kippur wasn't always a given in Yeshiva, believe it or not. It was a few individuals that, you know, stepped to the plate. Let's do it. You know, this dating gemach. This is dating gemach. Dating chavura. Dating, that's a good idea. Dating gemach. Um, lend out a girl. Anyway. Um, the dating chavura. We have, you know, Tuesday nights at 7.30. Somebody was muttering me, you know, in yeshiva already over a year. Rebbe, we need a little direction. You know, dating, it's hard. We don't know exactly what to do, what to look for in a girl, where to go on, where to go on a date, how you check references, you know, why should we be getting married, how you know if you're ready to get married. Good questions. I said, listen, you know, put together a group of guys and we'll get it going. Anyway, you know, it took him a while, took him like over a year until we finally got it together. A couple of weeks ago, put up a sign, dating Chabura, 725 coffee and tea, 7.30 in the base Medrash. Dating Kabura, I felt like we get like three stragglers coming in. We have, I don't know, maybe 35 to 45 people, you know, for the last two weeks in a row. I didn't know that many guys were dating. But somebody thought of that. Somebody had a good idea and put, we put it into action and it worked. God Hashem, there's so many things, you know, I give a Shalom bias. That to to the to Hassanim and to Kailo guys on Wednesdays after Mincha. Also, it's, it, we've been doing it about four years already. It was at first, let's try it. We'll do it a week or two weeks. Maybe it's going to fall apart. It got stronger. It got you know. It's great. There's so many ideas, so many different things. A chabura, a shir, a ski trip, things that you could do to create a better ruach in yeshiva. It's up to you. Don't wait for other people to do it. You do it. You take that midah of the Ruach HaNadivas to build the Mishkan in a better way. To fill the hole, to fill the Gaguim, the things that are necessary, the needs of the Yeshiva, the Tzarchei Tzibor. You be that Isaac B'Tzarchei Tzibor. And in Hashem, we should be zeichet to all the dividends that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises us. He'll be Yishan Tzcharam, V'yasimem Kalmacha, V'yabluchal Gufam, V'yishach Ha'avaynam, Mechilas Ha'avaynais, and V'yishach Bracha V'atzlacha, as Hashem, Bechol Maisi, Adenu, have a wonderful Shabbos.